What's going on, good people? It's your host, Jono the Giant, with my boy, JV, welcoming you to another episode of the Giant Fundamentals Podcast, where we discuss black male issues, growing and healing, and getting on the other side of greatness. Now, before you even tune in, please leave a rating and review, and do not forget to subscribe. Mr. Jerry Vaval, what's going on, bloody? JTG, what it do? Man, we here, bro. Another day, another dollar, another dollar, another day. Mm-hmm. Another day to make a way. <laughs> Straight up. We knocking these podcasts out week by week, huh? Sir. All right. I guess to start out, what's your giant gratitude for this week, bro? Um, Man, I'm, I'm thankful that... uh was able to conduct the the first men's group for uh this organization called the Men's Wellness Collective. Mm. They primarily focus on men, like getting men out, going outdoors, uh, fishing, boating, hiking. It's pretty dope stuff that they got going on. And uh, met with them last September, but we were yeah. actually able to get a group therapy session. And uh, it was really, bro, it was so good. It's like I had to cut it because the boys would have gonna kept talking. They were just yeah. gonna keep So it was, man, it was it was good. It was it was a breath of fresh air to be in a room with other men mm-hmm. who are not, you know, measuring dicks, who are not trying to pump out their chest. And, you know, that energy, though, that, that should be bothering me, though. I'm like, bro, can you just relax yourself? Mm-hmm. So it was just good to be in a room with other men who who value similar things when it comes to identity and manhood. Man, that's great. That's great. That um I'm glad that you got to experience that. And um the fact that they were so inspired and so motivated that they wanted to keep talking, that's really great. Like they didn't want it to end. Uh reminds me I just came from playing uh basketball with some of the guys from the barbershop just Spending that time with each other, having that male banter, uh, was really good. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think COVID really put a pause to a lot of the outdoor events that we used to do. Yeah, on a sure. consistent basis. Yeah, COVID really did. It COVID really hit us hard, bro. COVID hit us. I don't. I didn't. You know, when I realized how bad COVID hit us when it comes to us socializing. When when uh, I met with one of my boys last year at a uh, at a wedding, yeah, and we were talking and this he's he's a big time people person, man, big right. time people person, social butterfly. Mm-hmm. And when he told me he was like, "Yo, you know when uh, when the I guess the what do you call that the uh, the lockdown stopped and we were yeah. able to back out and you know go back to a." a you know, a, a regular routine as far as like going to work, going to school. He was like, yo, he felt like he lost his people skills. He felt very awkward. Wow. Being, you know, people, I was like, I was shocked when he said, I was like, really? He said, yeah, I know you can't believe it, but yeah. I, I, he, and he was like, I'm still trying to find my footing in that. I'm wow. like, oh, so it just shows you that human beings were never made to be isolated. They're never meant to be in isolation. We're meant to be in community and to connect. No, nah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, you know, that brings me to my giant gratitude, which is I appreciate the experience, experiences that I've had in life versus not experiencing them at all. Um, I think a lot of times 
us in general, we just sit back and we reflect and we're like, damn, why did I do this? Oh, boy. Oh, man, I could have I avoided this. Oh, boy. Oh, man, I should have made this decision. Yeah. Um, and I think that takes away from the lessons and the battle wounds that we've gotten through certain experiences, right? Yeah. And I had to learn to appreciate that and be like, no, nah, I'm thankful that I survived those things, right? Um, and it was in the book I was uh, listening to, the one you recommended to me, um, Obstacle, The Obstacle is the Way. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the difference between perceptions, right? And understanding you will have a more productive life if you realize things are happening for the betterment of you. And things are not just happening to you. Yeah, things are happening for you, not to you. Correct, correct. So I just was like, man, I'm grateful that I've experienced what I've experienced. Sometimes I overhear people speak about certain things and I'm like, dang, I've actually experienced that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I actually have inside knowledge on what it is to be married, to have kids, you know what I mean? To, to, To have immigrant parents, like live through different inner city uh, cultures, so forth and so on, right? Just to yeah. name a few. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't, they don't get to experience it or are afraid to experience that. Like one girl I met at a networking event and I was going through some of my sales experience and she was just like, wow, you really tried different things. Like you've tried different industries within your sales experience, working for Coca-Cola, working in finance, working for a media company, working for a digital marketing company. You know, working for a recruitment company, helping you start this company. You know what I mean? So it's like most people just stay in the same industry and the same career for most of their lives. But I've been able to dibble and dabble on different things. And I, I love that about myself. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, <clears throat> man, I, I it, it reminded me of a session I had with my client just today. Wow. A Division one athlete, well, former Division one athlete. And uh, he he left school prematurely, like his senior year, he 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 quit. Wow. Yeah. So pretty much, he went into like this flag football league mm-hmm. where where he lives, and he said it was just a terrible experience. The guys were trash, but not only were they trash, but they were like really talking down to him, and he was the best one on the team. Right. But because he wanted validation and acceptance, and he kind of wanted to live his glory days. He uh, took that nonsense from them. But, right. you know, of course, we went down and we just started looking at his his family history to see where this 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 validation seeking came from. And he's mm-hmm. a set as well. So you already know what that's about, you know. So I, I bring that up because, man, he was, yo, the whole session, bro, he was just beating himself up. Like, I can't believe, mm-hmm. I, can't believe I did this because he had a bad injury. He had a terrible injury. He got to get a plate in his ankle. And now he's he, he's in recovery for 12 months. So, Whoa. you know, he hangs his hat on his physique, like mm-hmm. being able to run, jump, like being in shape. And now he can't move the way he used to move. He's in rehab. It's killing him. And I'm like, bro, you got a vibe. I know it's hard, but you beating yourself up and regretting, regretting, regretting is not going to change anything. But mm-hmm. you said that, it just remind me, it's like, man, his mindset right now, and hopefully, uh, hopefully as I'm working with him for the next couple of months, I can get a better update. I can have a much better update. But right now, his mindset, life is happening to me. So mm-hmm. when you 
his mindset to okay, life is happening for me. Yo, it's a it's a totally different mind shift. It sounds so subtle, but I'm experiencing yeah. it like all the things that you know I've been through. Like you know, I've tried different things too, right? In business with the safari, with the hotel, with the rental company, with building my own practice, and man, those situations really broke that life is happening to me perception right but for some people situations like that break them and they get deeper into the oh life is happening to me you know life is happening to me so man yeah Yeah. bro it's it's I, i think we really underestimate the power of a mindset like when you have a mindset and you sit in the seat of gratitude bro your life is your life is so much more enhanced it's so much more fulfilling yeah. And you have to protect that mindset because, oh, yes. uh, you know, Mr. Beast, he's the number one YouTube philanthropy, philanthropic type mm-hmm. of dude. Uh, he has the most views on YouTube, whatever. And he said it. He was like, you're crazy until you're successful and then you're mm-hmm. a genius. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because while he was making all these short clips and doing all this YouTube stuff, he was like, go get a real job. You're not doing it. And, you know, we. We both experienced that, right? People think we're so crazy for taking the chances we've taken, for experiencing certain things. Yeah. Until they see the fruits of that labor, right? Until they see the reward, they see the success, quote unquote. Yeah. Oh man, that was ge- that was a smart move. You're a genius. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, damn, you know. Were with me when I was shooting in the gym. You Thank you. You wasn't you wasn't with me. You know what I mean? And then now I'm making all those shots. Mm. Now it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you you a great mm. player, you champion, mm. championship worthy, and it's like mm. people are very fickle, mm. so you have to really protect that mindset and, and and build your team and not give up on your dreams, you know. And yeah. speaking, speaking of protecting the mindset, you got you got to protect the mindset, the moves you make. You got to protect your identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's a light situation. It's light, but it's like, you know, how many people commenting it's like, "Yo, John, why you wearing no shades? Why you wearing the shades?" <laughs> like, bruh, like the old me, like five mm-hmm. would have been like, "Ah, oh, let me just take it off," because maybe it's like, "Bro, leave me alone." You know, how many people commented on it. Oh my god! Wow. Yes. <laughs> For the lunet. Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah, I'm like glasses. But it, it it's different, I guess. I don't know, yeah. but it's like. Right, everybody wears shades in interviews and stuff. I don't know what's the, you, you know. See how that subtle change hmm. makes almost starting to almost felt like an uproar. Yeah, and and you know what it is? Those subtle hmm. comments, and that's the thing. What a lot of us are not aware of: those subtle comments keep you boxed in into a specific hmm. framework as a person. I share my story of navigating through drug and gang violence in my community as a kid, dropping out of high school, to speaking to over 100 juvenile detention centers and schools in the country, sharing my story in countries like Haiti and Malawi, Africa, and becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist, people always ask me, how did I do it? If you want to know so you can make massive change in your life as well, Click the link in the show notes to my book, When Giants Get Fed Up, From Anger to Ambition. And once you've read it, please feel free to leave me a rating and review. 
Because I could be like, oh, damn, I ain't going to wear the shades no more. Let me, let me just, yeah, because they saying. Nah, put it back on. You let down. Put it back <laughs> on. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that in itself mm-hmm. will, that I'm betraying myself. And we don't realize it's those subtle comments that people make. And then we yeah. feed into those comments. We betray yeah. ourselves. Like, yeah. be, you, be you, do like, yo, people can say whatever they want. Like, you got to make sure that at the end of the day, when you lay your head on your pillow, that you were you throughout the day. 100%. And that's one thing that I'm not going to do going forward is betray myself to please anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not have the capacity to deny myself to you know, cuddle anybody or a coddle, I should say, coddle anybody, you know, give away so much of my life force and my energy to please someone else and betray myself. And like, I, it's funny how growing up, that was such a norm, Hmm. right? Growing up in the church, Haitian culture, you almost had to like, it's like you had to wait your turn to live life. Wow. You know, like, no, you can't do that yet. No, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't oh, do that. You said, can't do that yet. I'm like, no, they said you can't do that. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the yet part is, I can't wait till I get up out of here. I'm going to do what I, I want. got you. Yep. You know what I'm trying to say? Because you, 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 nat- you have that natural rebellion where it's like, well, okay, I know I'm in your house, or I know I'm in your church, or I know I'm serving, I know I'm this. But once, once I become a real adult, mm-hmm. then I'll be able to do whatever I want. But it's so funny is we've gotten that freedom later on in our lives. Now we don't know what to do. Yeah. Because we've denied ourselves for so many years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's true. And you you mentioned um, that your client was a D1 athlete, and that kind of leads us to our main topic today of Shannon Sharp, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Hall of Fame player, right? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. Oh, I'm okay. You you just you hit me with the the still. I'm still the yeah, still yeah. right. Hall well, of Fame uh, <laughs> NFL athlete. I think it's a two or three time Super Bowl champion. Three times. I think he won three times, and then one in Baltimore. One one in Baltimore. Uh, with those uh, famous Ravens, those Ray Lewis teams. Um, you know now he is the uh, is uh, he's not a journalist, but he's he's one of the Say again. Yeah, I would call him an entertainer, commentator. Yeah, entertainer, commentator for ESPN. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Mr. Club Shay Shay, and I know me and you. We had a discussion on just his trajectory in the entertainment business mm-hmm. and how people they look at his success now. Right, he looks like a genius now yeah. because of his success. But if you look at his journey and his track record. Man, he should have. A lot of people in his shoes would have given up long time ago. Most people who are in his shoes gave up a long time. Mm. <laughs> he ain't the first. When you see somebody climb those stairs, man. Yeah, there were other people climbing those stairs with them. Right, but along the journey, people fell at the wayside, bro. That's that's, true. that's life. That's true. So you could talk about. What? Because he got fired. I think he was with CBS Sports. Yeah, and he ended up getting early on. He ended up getting fired from that job. Um, 
can you talk about what that meant for Shannon? Well, you can't talk from his perspective, but from your perspective, what that meant for you to see him get fired, then to revamp and be part of Fox Sports and be on Shannon and Skip's uh, Undisputed. Yeah, man. When I see that, his journey, and let's start with him getting fired. One thing that I recognize and one thing I could pull from that is Mm -hmm. he didn't allow a status to define him as a person. Mm. And that's what a lot of us do. We allow things, we allow external things, how much money we make, what job we have, what schools we go to, what neighborhoods we grow up in, how many zeros we have in our account. Mm-hmm. We allow all those things to define us. But the moment that those things are stripped away, then we go crumbling, we go hiding, and we feel less than. Yep. So you're telling me Shannon is hired by CBS Sports and he is calling games, NFL games, every Sunday. Mm-hmm. He's in the studio and they let him go. And I'm going to be real with you, bro. Shannon was not good. He was not good at all. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. What a lot of us don't realize, and that's why we quit, is because when we start something, you're never going to be great at it. Right. You're never going to be the best at it. You grow into being the best. And it shows something about Shannon's mentality. Mm-hmm. He did not allow that situation of him getting fired to define him. And the best way that the best way I could sum that up is that Shannon, he lives from the inside out and not from the outside in. But let's 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 go a little deeper in that. Let's talk about how hurt he must have felt being fired from a job which he is supposed to be the expert at. Hmm. Well, I I, I I I don't agree that he was supposed to be an expert at because he may have football knowledge, but he may not be good as a commentator. You know what I'm saying? Correct. But that still has an effect on you. Oh, for sure. One million percent. Right. As a person, it's like, oh, I, you, you're thinking of it like, well, just because you were a football player for 12, 13, 15 years doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't necessarily mean that you can talk about football. Yeah. The same way you played it. Yeah. But that's a hard lesson for him. Oh, for sure. Because, mm-hmm. you know, this is why I say that. Because I know the average person is going to say, Dan, I got fired from a job that I'm supposed to be good at. I played football all these years. Why not, am I not able to make that translate into this area here? Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing, whole thing about the perception is like, no, there's nuances. Yeah, you're talking about football. However, you're talking about football in, in the film room. You talking about football with your teammates and your coaches is different when you're having to speak about football to the entire world, to the average Joe that may not understand or know football. And on top of that, you have to be able to hold a conversation with your colleagues at the table and Mm -hmm. entertain at the same time. No, that's definitely a different mindset. Well, and then let's add on another layer on a corporate platform. Mm. So that's why I said what I said is like, you know, just to bring that perspective, because that's how most people are going to think. Like you go from, you know, it's a black and white thinking. It's like, well, I play football all this time. Why am I able to articulate how the game is played 
man, I must not have been as good as I thought I was. Uh, this may not be for me. Why did I even try? And all the regret and stuff coming, you know, comes into the yeah. picture. So, so I know, though, but I'll say this last thing. I know that he felt down because he's human. Yeah. If you have that perspective, that's the thing. Your thoughts and your emotions are two different functions. So even if someone has that perspective, it takes time for your emotions and your thought process to catch up. So I know he felt like trash. And then you mentioned how getting fired, you have to be objective to it. Mm. So can you explain what you meant by that? Yeah. So again, living from the inside out, not from the outside in. Yeah. Someone who lives from the inside out is able to bypass how they felt about getting fired and look at that situation from an an objective lens. Mm -hmm. Because what you do is you say, dang, you know, I got fired from this job, but I still want to be in this field. Mm -hmm. What do I need to do to get better? Mm -hmm. Now you start speaking to your colleagues that you were working with, like, yo, just give me some honest feedback, bro. Like, what do you think I could do better? Then you mm-hmm. even speak to your ex-employer like, okay, can you give me some enhancements on how I can better be better at this? And right. then you go in the lab and you start working on those things, whatever it looks like. Right. That's how you be objective. However, someone who's living from the outside in, you have a very subjective view. And majority of the time, subjective views are based off of how someone feels. Right. You feel like, oh, man... You you probably first you're mad at the employer, blah, like, ah, oh, they just this and that. And you start trashing them and saying how oh it was terrible anyway, blah blah, so on and so forth. Then you probably transition into beating yourself up, like man, why did I do that? Oh, it's probably when I said this, and you start micromanaging all of your past actions, saying, oh man, if I didn't do this, uh, if I didn't do that, then maybe I would have still had that job. All right, and this is why we all I always say we both say. Perception is reality, but it's not fact, right? Your perception is your truth, but it's not fact about the situation. Um, If you can go into now what you saw, I remember you mentioned what Skip saw in Shannon Mm. for his bounce back. What's going on, good people? Have you been enjoying the episodes Mr. Vabal and I have been releasing? I know you have, because you wouldn't have made it this far if you weren't. You see, we are committed to bringing you an episode every Monday to start your week off, but we need a favor from you. Take the time and share this episode right here. Yes, this one right here to three men that you know and pump us up and have them listen and subscribe. Because we're on a mission to help men heal from childhood trauma, connect with their emotions better, and as a result, they'll show up in their relationships, careers, and life as the best version of themselves. And we cannot accomplish this without your help. From Mr. Vabal and I, we say thank you and we appreciate your support. Yeah, so I remember when Skip was at ESPN, Shannon came on a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So now, even at that time, I remember hearing Shannon, I was like, yeah, Shannon ain't all that good. He's not really good at really articulating well. At, at that time, it wasn't really good. Mm-hmm. So 
Skip leaves ESPN First Take. He gets hired by Fox Sports. He's building his new show, Undisputed. And because he has all the power, he's like, yo, I want Shannon Sharp to be my co-host. And the producers, the executives, they're like, "Uh, I don't know about that. And Skip is like, I'm not going to do this unless Shannon is my Mm co-host. So what does that mean? Well, if Shannon wasn't good or great at the time, that means Skip had vision to see something in him. Right. He saw someone that would work hard at his craft. Mm -hmm. He saw someone that would not give up. He -hmm. saw someone that would bring his best. He -hmm. saw the intangibles. He saw the things that most people are not able to see. Right? Because And here's the thing. It's like, in life, you have people who are going to be with you when it's time to build a railroad. Mm -hmm. They They will start off with you, but then they'll fall off after some time. Right. Then you'll have those people that will be with you to start the railroad and then actually finish the railroad. But then they'll be gone at some time. Then you Mm -hmm. have the other people who will be there to start, to finish, and to start getting trains to pass through. So at every level, there's a different type of person. And most people, and I would say, let me back up. The people who are there with you from start to finish, those are the visionaries. Those are the people that can see something in you a lot of times that you can't even see within yourself. Right. And and Skip was able to see something in Shannon that the other execs and producers were not able to see. To the point he said, look, I am not going to do this unless Shannon is my co-host. That says a lot right there. So now can you talk about Shannon's with Skip? The the arrival in first take, I mean, at some point, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I think most people, even though the ratings still have first take number one, Shannon and Skip, they were right there. It was like one A, one B. Yeah. Right. Then there was a debacle at Fox Sports. Right. Skip turned his back on Shannon, and Shannon was basically out of a job once again. Yeah. But can you talk about how? This is familiar territory for Shannon now, right? He's probably thinking about when he got fired from CBS. Yeah. But fast forward a little bit, he actually got an even better opportunity. Yeah. Right? With ESPN. I mean, if you look at it, from CBS to Fox was a better opportunity. Yeah. Then from Fox to ESPN. So if you can talk about, like, the mindset when you're in that valley of despair, where you don't know what's going to happen next. Man... Well, you don't know what's going to happen next. I think anybody that has experienced that knows that it feels like a very dark place. You feel lost. You feel so unsure, uncertain of yourself. And to be Mm -hmm. honest with you, this is why I believe that men, this whole thing of us shutting off our feelings, this is where it becomes very important. Mm. This is where it comes important. This is where it, this is where it's crucial because in those moments you literally have to move in spite of how you feel. Wow. Because if you don't, you're gonna stay where you are. Mm. I know a lot of women they 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 criticize men and they're frustrated with men. I should let me say frustrated. They're frustrated with men because like, oh yeah, he's always shutting down in conversation, so on and so forth. Yeah, in that regards, it's messed up. But on the other hand, here's the positive side is if, if as, as a man, if you know how to channel that, 
to reach your goals, then bro, you're gonna you're gonna be able to soar in that area. And mm-hmm. I believe that Shannon was able to shut off his feelings. He was able to like he he built that muscle up. Like you said, he got mm-hmm. fired from before. So it was it this was new territory. There was this wasn't new territory for him. However, mm-hmm. though it wasn't new territory, it was a different situation and circumstance. Why? Yep. Because the seven years that he was on Undisputed during that time frame, that's when he started Club Shay Shay. I think that like maybe like the last year or two or three, he started yeah. podcast Club Shay Shay. So he leveraged, he leveraged the opportunity that he had on Undisputed, mm-hmm. built his own platform, and got his own followers, and got his own listeners, got his own guests. So now he's not starting over from scratch. So even if he doesn't get hired by ESPN, he still has his own thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, being on Undisputed for seven years, man, he really built up his reputation as a great entertainer, as a great commentator of not just football, but football, basketball, golf, baseball, like CBS, he was just speaking about football. Mm-hmm. Now he's speaking about all these different things. And it's like, right. wow. And he leveraged that to the maximum. So in, in honor of Black History Month, right? And I love us using Shannon as the topic for Black History because I'm tired of everybody doing book reports on Oprah, Michael Jordan, Matt, you know, Michael Jackson, you know, you know, the same old, same old, right? Yeah. So I think sometimes we don't highlight like our newer leaders, our new like the newer Black history. So yeah. I think Shannon is a great example. Yeah. What would you want your son to take away from Shannon's story? What lessons would you want want him to 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 take away? Don't let a situation or circumstance define you. That's mm-hmm. what would be the biggest thing. And again, that all goes back to living from the inside out instead of the outside in. When you're sure of yourself mm-hmm. and you stand on that and you understand your gifts, your talents, your strengths, and your limitations, you're, you're able to appropriately navigate through life. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that I'm able to help clients do. Like I have this thing where I do with them. I'm like, okay, if you can describe yourself in 10 words, what would those 10 words be? Give me mm-hmm. your five uh, gift strengths. And mm-hmm. I go through that with them. And what I notice is that there's always a common theme in the things that they're expressing to me. I say, oh, okay, now I see why you say you, you feel regretful. Oh, now I say why you characterize yourself as being joyful, because now I can see those elements in the story. But a lot of us don't have the awareness to know that, oh, this is, these are the characteristics that describe me. Mm-hmm. So I, honestly, I'll just tell my son, yo, listen, don't allow circumstance or situation to define you. And in order for you to do that, you have to know who you are. And that's why right now, like, man, since since the moment, and I put this on my parents out there, you have to be you have to be aware of yourself in order for you to be aware of what your kids are good at. But I noticed, I noticed that parents are always aware of what their kids are not good at. Mm. But you're not aware of what they're good at. Like, my like it's interesting to me because my kids know they know what they're good at because I point it out all the time. 
all the freaking time. Like uh, my daughter made the honor roll last last marking period. Mm-hmm. This kid is a little challenging for her. Her grades are dipping just a little bit, just mm-hmm. a little bit. Like one grade lower. It's not. A, it's not even a big deal. So right. she started to feel a certain type of way, and I was like, I was like, listen, man, like those subjects you're not strong in, and that's okay. But look right. at these subjects. You're really good at these subjects. It just shows that you just got to put a little bit more work. And I said, you did it last. I said, the first marking period, you didn't make honor roll. You put more work. You got in the honor roll the next marking period. So now we're just going to do the same thing again. But I had to point out to her that, hey, look, look at these grades, though. You're good. You're always good at these areas. Right. right? <laughs> we have to be able to instill in our kids the awareness for them to know what they're good at. And then my kids are always repeating it to me like, oh, yeah, I know I'm good at this and that. Or I know I'm really good at that. Boy, let me tell you something. That That is everything. No, that's amazing. You know, you mentioned black and white thinking. Um, is what is the is there a therapy term for that? What is what does that necessarily mean, and where does that come from? To when someone thinks in black or white. Okay, what does that mean? Black and white thinking is one of the the cognitive, one of the mental distortions. Mm. So there's about 10 to 15 cognitive distortions. And for all my listeners out there, I'll drop a link in the um, in the show notes so you can go look up an article that has about all 10, 15 of them. Mm-hmm. So there's like one of them, like I said, is black and white thinking. And black and white thinking pretty much is that you're looking and you're viewing life from two extremes, mm. hot or cold, black or white, good or bad. That's how you're looking at life. And mm-hmm. when you look at life from that perspective, it's going to be very challenging for you to make the appropriate decisions that are going to build the life that you want. So, I, mm-hmm. uh, go ahead. No, is, uh, is that is that a natural thing for humans? Because I see, I see a lot of people find comfort mm-hmm. in looking at life black and white. Yeah, I do believe that's my theory. I do believe is a is a natural thing for human beings to do. And the reason why I say that is because as a therapist and as a father of young kids, I notice that kids automatically think in terms of black and white. And what I notice about mm-hmm. black and white thinking is that is normally rooted in how you feel. It's about mm-hmm. your emotions. That's what it's about. It's not about reason and logic. It's not about holistically looking at the situation. It's just that, oh yeah, they asked me, they said, uh, I couldn't come to the party. I wasn't invited to the party. I guess that means they don't like me. Oh, wow. That's black and white thinking. It's like you jump into that conclusion based off how you feel. But that's not, that, that there, there's maybe a reason why you weren't invited and you just don't know. And if you weren't invited, if you're securing yourself, it's like, hey, you feel a certain type of way for a little bit and then you move on. It, it is what it is. Right. And I, and I do think it's cultural as well. I feel mm. like the cultures that are that are more anxiety driven, mm. like culture, Caribbean culture, when you're talking about dealing with uh, slavery, civil rights and all these different things, I, I think it's just easier like to to think in black and white. Like, hey, don't go down that block because X, Y and Z is going to happen. But that may not be true. But because that's the culture 
And because it may have happened to someone else or so on and so forth, we automatically jump to these conclusions. Yeah, I was going to, I was, that's all, my next question was going to be how prevalent is it in civil rights in black history in America where like we have to think it, it's like it, black and white is just everything, right? Um, whereas, you know, white privilege is good and black privilege is bad, <laughs> you know? And it, it, it drives everything in advertisement. It drives everything in our music. So it's, it, it's funny how it can be used as a construct to control people's minds. Oh, for sure. You know, and then a lot of us use it as defense mechanism. And, and, and it's fear-based. That's what it's founded on. Mm-hmm. It's founded on fear-based because it's founded on fear because you're trying to avoid something. And the thing, what, here's what we all need to understand is that our minds have two functions. is either to help us survive or to help us thrive. Mm. Those cognitive distortions, those mental distortions, those mental blocks, they help us survive. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to help us thrive. They help us survive because we feel anxious. Then we're like, okay, yeah, we create a plan, okay, to not feel anxious anymore because there's some potential imminent threat or death or or damnation that's down that area. Mm-hmm. So with that, yeah, you're going to survive, but you're always going to be living in fear. But in order to get through that, you have to actually challenge those those mental hangups. You have to challenge them. Yeah. And and then once you challenge them and you see the results from it, it's like, oh, it's it's not as it's not bad at all. It's not what I thought at all. Oh shoot. Okay. <sighs> and then now you start getting more into living from a place of thriving. Right. And it's funny because speaking about Shannon, his story talking about those mental hangups, those mental blocks, those limiting beliefs. One thing that I've heard you say, and I've heard from different, uh, you know, uh, mental health experts, as well as different books, action. Yeah. Action. Like when you just said you have to challenge those mental blocks, you you have to take action. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's what the challenging is. You have to do. You have to do. I, I, we were talking about this earlier this week when I was saying how when I started the rental company, it was a very scary thing for me. Mm-hmm. But what I knew was, man, I need something different. I need to make more money. And what I was currently doing at the time, I felt as if, man, this is not working. But in the same breath, I was afraid to take that step. But when I had when I when I got the opportunity to get the cards, I was like, oh, shoot, this is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment is where it's like, yo, I'm scared. Like, should I really do this for real? And mm-hmm. I started to count the cost. I'm like, no, 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 no. I heard somebody say this. They said uh, people who live the life that they want, they don't count the cost. They cost their life. Mm. Yeah, they they it's like, yo, this my life is on this. It's like, no, nah, I'm not counting, I'm not gonna count the cost of it. I'm gonna mess up. It's like, nah, man, this is about my life. I need to build, I need to make this happen. You're more willing to take risk and chances. So up until the point where I signed those all those papers, boy, and literally I, I was taking different a different approach 
to making a decision. Because normally when I used to make decisions, I used to sit there, try to calculate, over-calculate, over-calculate, till I calculate myself out that decision. <laughs> and But this time I was like, I did basic numbers. I was like, okay, boom, boom, boom. All right, that's it. I'm doing it. And every single thing that was coming up before I signed it, it was an opportunity for me to take like take a step back or it was an opportunity for me to just continue moving forward. And every single point, I moved forward. I moved forward. I was doing. I was taking action. And it was the best decision I made. Like, of course, you know, all the cars got repossessed and business shut down and mm-hmm. all these different things. But I will not ever take back that decision. Why? Because the mindset that I have today, the person that I am today from that, man, <laughs> you, you, there's no dollar amount that can, that you can pay to reach another level in your self-development, your growth and maturity. Mm. It's funny how we, we can have a knee-jerk reaction for something that's bad for us, but then when it's something good, we talk ourselves out of it. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, definitely have to practice. You definitely have to practice that mindset. Um, as we close, is there anything else you wanted to say about Black history? Yeah, I, I like what you, you mentioned. It's like, you know, we're always talking about the, the, the old guard and things that happened in the past and people that fought for us in the past. But, man, there are people every single day right now that are doing things and that are making history right now for minorities and for blacks. I went, yeah. I had an opportunity to go to a a, a diversion, de-escalation uh, meeting with some politicians and they were talking about, you know, gun violence and really educating the young black males on how to address a situation if you're pulled over with a cop. So mm. he had the state Senate representative there and he was talking about different things and they were asking questions. And I was like, man, this dude is, he's doing something major. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing something. This is a big thing. And all of the guys there who are looking to run for Congress and commissioner who are blacks and looking to affect policy. I'm like, wow, these dudes are doing this. So shout out to all them boys out there, man, who right now in real time are affecting change, who are putting their feet to the fire, who are not staying quietly, quiet or staying silently, but are moving with with confidence and boldness so that mm. our kids and our kids' kids can have to live, can live in a better country, a safer country. Man, enough said. With that being said, I love you, bro. Love you too, man. Another day, another pod. Until we pod again. We pod again, brother. My friend. <laughs> Lean back. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we go, I just want to remind you, the man that says he can and the man that says he can't are both right. Which one are you? By his father and mother, he was abandoned. With no concern for his safety, they left him stranded. A life of hurt was the very thing he was handed. My apologies, cause I'm about to be candid. Every way he went, he felt ashamed alone. And explosive behavior made it be known. Walked around as if he wanted to be left alone. But he was really carrying the weight of being disowned.